All right. Um, more to come, listeners. Welcome back for another episode. In fact, a much delayed episode of Stargazing. Um, and this is kind of a new and improved year in Stargazing gift guide combo. Uh, would, it, would, is that a good way to talk about it? Um, and I'm talking to Meg Lemke, the PW Graphic Novels Review Editor. Uh, how are you doing, Megan? Happy holidays. Hi, Kevin. Happy holidays. I don't think we're so delayed. We just had Thanksgiving. <laughs> just, you went to Comic-Con. How oh, you yeah, there you go. And Anime NYC. And by the way, I got a test after Anime NYC. If any of you have been hearing about the news of a single case of Omicron uh, that may or may not have, uh, you know, happened at the Anime NYC. So I did get a test. Both me and Jody got a test and we're, we're negative. So there you go. Yeah, if you, like me, were listening to last week's app and about to text Calvin in the middle of the night yes. worried about him. <laughs> yes, for anybody that are worried, um, you know, uh, yes. Calvin's okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so stargazing. So, yeah, yeah. we're going we're gonna to talk about, we're going to do some stargazing, and then we're going to quickly add some gift books yeah. for you all who have not yet bought anything for the holiday season. We're in the middle of Hanukkah, right? And uh, uh, Yeah, I guess so, yes. Yes. And Christmas is around the corner. Yes. Yes. So, yes. but first. Yes. I assume the, the uh, Muslim mm-hmm. holiday is nearby as well. I, I apologize if I don't have the exact daytime, uh, times for it, but yes, we want to all, we want to, we want to be very ecumenical about our you faith. You can give our books faith to based people. Giving. Yes. <laughs> you can give books to people for any reason. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> they can believe in anything they want. All right. Just call it. <laughs> Eating season and maybe not eating season. So on stargazing, Calvin and I talk about titles that have received a starred review in the pages of Publishers Weekly, which is the designation that our, um, our magazine gives to titles that they think need special attention from readers and for various, you know, reasons, but they need to be notable and like hit a high bar in all levels of craft. Yes. So there's two we're going to talk about today, one of which Calvin talked about briefly because it was one of our best books of the year, and the other is a real favorite of Calvin and mine. So let's start with the title we've already, you know, hinted at being fantastic, which is The Waiting by Kumsuk Gendry Kim from Dawn and Quarterly. This came out in October. And um Gendry Kim's prior book was Grass, which one which sort of swept yeah. awards last year. Uh it, She's a Korean cartoonist and her work speaks to the, um, post-war period. This book is a graphic novel. It's based yes. on family history, like real family history of her mother's story. But she also interviewed other elders in her community who are um, refugees from North Korea when South Korea and North Korea split. And it really, the, the plot, such as it is, is about um, these reunification efforts where families who were torn asunder during the refugee crisis um, were brought back together later in life, most of them quite elderly. And, and the main character's mother would, wants to reunite with her child from a prior marriage. And the main character doesn't ever quite help her mother get there. But the real heart of the book is these scenes of the refugee experience. It's really a uh, difficult work, but absolutely 
stunning. I mean, I I loved the yeah. book. Um, do you Much like her previous it? book. I mean, yes. you know, Grass was a really wrenching mm-hmm. and amazingly, um, and, and that was pure nonfiction. If I'm saying she was retelling the stories. I believe that was like women. Uh, right. There was a woman she in Grass, which is about yeah. um, Korean comfort woman um, who had been kidnapped by Japanese soldiers was told to her by an elderly woman who yes. had mm-hmm. that experience. Yeah. And the waiting again, combines aspects of her actual family. There's notes in the back, you know, if you piecing out what is fiction and what is not as important to you as a reader. I think the idea is that the stories are composite in such ways that they, that they provide the truth. You know, it's a narrative truth mm-hmm. that's being that all the details are grounded in real life experiences. Uh, so the present day narrative of the of Guija, who's the, the daughter and her, oh, sorry, who's the um, older woman mm-hmm. and her adult daughter, Gina, is frames Guija's recollections of the war. And our review says that one of the most impactful artistic sequences, she watched a group of refugees crossing the country and realizes she and her family must flee as well. And the idea of, of just the, of like dropping the reader into that, frenzy and sense of loss and sense of upheaval is that you know the reviewer writes that her exhaustion is palpable yeah, she, yeah go on please go on i mean <laughs> you mean the, the, book, the book is an, it's just emotionally wrenching um, right so so it's, a, it's an important work because this is a history that also hasn't been explored particularly for american audiences in this detail i think there's a hazy sense of many americans that north and south korea split there's a sense of the contemporary politics but not an understanding of how many families are divided across that line and the the, the current efforts and you know including like this uh video campaign where families are making videos and the years and years of waiting and wishing to be reunited and to find out the fates in some cases of family members that they were severed from. And these aren't situations where people who were drawing ideological lines and that's how they were divided. This is literally like people were escaping in a mass and one family member stopped to tie a shoe. And then that's the last time they saw their husband, son, mother. Yeah. So and this is definitely what happens to the to the protagonist in in in, mm-hmm. in, uh, in uh, Gendry Kim's book. Um, yes, yes, and and, and you 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 you've talked about the waiting, the time here. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's this endless period and, and essentially hopeless period where uh, South uh, South Korean and I suppose North Korean mm-hmm. uh, family members create videos saying. Um, my name is this. I'm, you know, here. I've lived here. We were separated. Uh, I would love to see you and, you know, and hug you or dance. When I see you, these heartbreaking videos just really messages in a bottle, uh, hoping to connect with these long lost and, and in the, in, in uh, the novel's case, uh, she's lost a son. And as you described it, uh, as they are fleeing to the south, uh, she stopped to take care of the baby and looked around and her husband was gone. And she spends the rest of her time, uh, her husband and the son, uh, mm-hmm. disappear. Now, I, now we know in the real world corollary to this book, I believe it was, uh, the author's mother's sister. Right. She's looking to reunite with. Mm-hmm. But as is explained in the, ap- uh, the afterwards of the book, uh, 
there are thousands of these videos and they only pick up a, a hundred or so reunifications a year. There's almost no chance. It's, it's a lottery in the worst sense that there's almost no chance you win. Right. But it creates a sense of hope and longing yes. and people have an expectation that they could reunite. And so it's just, yes. in some ways it's, um, if both you know, you could describe it as a, a way to process grief to have hope still, but it also creates a sense that there's no there's no way to resolve that grief if you are always thinking if I'd sent in one more form, if I push through the bureaucracy in one more way, if I could get an you know another younger person who understands the political system better to help me, then maybe I could make this yeah. accomplish. Um, the there's these gut wrenching TV shows in Korea. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, there are these you know reunifications uh and then then the whole social interaction around these you know, reunifications mm-hmm. even when they do find each other they're it's uncomfortable that they're uncomfortable mm-hmm. they're they're sad in their own way uh, even though at least the two people have that have that something that I mean we're talking over the course of 40 50 years 60 years uh, you know, many of these people are very old. And right. And they're not, they're not emigrating. It's this is, these are a meeting yeah. and then people are going back to North Korea. Yeah. So there's also a sense of, are you providing the right gifts that they need to yeah. come back into this oppressive regime? Uh, there's, we're getting, it's, we're, and then we all the while they're worried that you're, they're putting their North Korean, uh, counterparts in jeopardy if they right, say the wrong exactly. thing. Exactly. And I think, it may be between the lines, but that's part of why she talks about making composite portraits, I believe, in this book, in part, mm-hmm. is that, you know, she, the, the author wants to reflect multiple stories, but also kind of keep private some of the details, I think, of the real stories that she was told yeah. and she was entrusted with, um, and to not re-traumatize the, the people who provided their stories by creating this composite story. I, I really was moved deeply by the work. You know, it's not a light work. I think we're in yeah. our description of it for for good reason, though there's some kind of lovely light moments with the contemporary yeah. daughter-mother relationship. There's some very funny sort of yes. being the adult daughter to an older person and trying to navigate their world. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that Gendry Kim has, she does have a knack for the ability to, um, uh, to pair these, you know, this narrative of incredible misery mm-hmm. uh, with we know with moments that are are uh, hopeful, mm-hmm. uh, that are co- lightly comic, mm-hmm. and that he, she relieves the tension at various points throughout the book. Um, you know, either by sort of making fun of herself or creating a comic, you know, uh, interlude with her mother. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not as oppressive as we're making it sound, but you cannot ignore the fact. That these this this is a book of both about the misery and carnage of war, and the devastation, uh, the emotional devastation of the people who are its uh, collateral collateral damage. I think we've had a number of, of books, comic books, that have been beloved recently on the refugee experience in America. Oh, and we, in our review, we compare this to Tibui's The Best We Can Do, for example. Mm-hmm. But this is a really interesting also because it's very, it entirely takes place in Korea. So it's about the refugee experience in North Korea. And I think it's simply in terms of a different environment to immerse yourself in as an American reader. It's got something very special about it. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Um, um, it's a, it's a, 
really a terrific book. Um, and you're just, your heart goes out to the people who have lived through this. And I was one of this. It's an mm-hmm. amazing testament to the, to the incredible determination, the just emotional fortitude of the women that it por- portrays, what they mm-hmm. go through. I wouldn't wish on anyone. Uh, and they make it through it in some way to live out their lives. It's just, you know, uh, they're the, the power that keeps them going is really, um, inspirational in its own way. It was also one of our best books of the year. So we're hoping that you'll pick it up. Yeah. Then I'm going to turn to another title that really, I think I came to not knowing what to expect other than the expectation of the authors or an artist, the artist authors, <laughs> the cartoonists history, which is Dash Shaw's Discipline from New York Review of Comics, New York Review of Comics. And that came out also in October. And just really love this. I mean, I found it to be a page turner. The text all comes from Civil War letters. And the story follows a Quaker, a young man who's a Quaker, and his close relationship in his Quaker family and a small Quaker community, his sister and his parents. And he determines to leave and join the Union Army based on his strongly held principles, abolitionist principles. And this is real... And, you know, well-documented schism within the Quaker, uh, friends at the period because they are very much abolitionists, but they are also dedicated pacifists. Mm-hmm. So by taking up arms, he is, um, he's, you know, removed from the community. He is, uh, excommunicated essentially. And that leaves his mother and his sister and his father to need to speak for him. So the the Quaker faith has a tradition of testifying. So there's a sense of the family in this very theatrical, you know, ritualized fashion needing to speak for their their sibling and son um, about his leaving. And then told in parallel is his actual experiences of the war and real disillusionment with what fighting is like on a day-to-day basis and the cruelties and and terrors and traumas of the war. And Dash, you know, is a deconstructed style. You know, he does not is are not typical comics. And Dash's work never yeah, is. <laughs> but but I did find it's a much more accessible work, honestly. If you're familiar with Dash's work, this is a more accessible work in that it, it has a clear storyline. And it, um, and his gorgeous drawings are, uh, you, you've brought into the details, the expression. He has a like both somehow minimalist and detailed line. And I just found it really incredibly captivating. You know, it, it's a, it's, you know, the very best historical work that brings up big ideas, uses real documents and then is retold and re-envisioned with a contemporary artist's very particular lens. Yes. It's, uh, you know, yes. If you know of Dashaw's work, he's an experimentalist, you know, now he, he, he brings together, you know, uh, sort of classic narrative techniques, but he also does very different things. Um, His subject matter can be all over the place. I mean, uh, to recreate, the world of uh, <clears throat> of the Civil War 
the 1860s, uh, of a deeply moral community grappling with uh, their faith uh, and the tension between that and civic responsibility. Uh, it's, it isn't what you would expect. Mm-hmm. This is just a quiet, meditative piece uh, that brings together the, these issues that I've just, just mentioned. Deep religious conviction, but uh, uh, as paired against an understanding uh, of, of, of the responsibility you have to the larger community that you're, you're a part of. It's really, um, it's unexpected. I shouldn't, you know, without, uh, you know, and I, and I, I shouldn't put that on dash. I was unexpected by me, but it's, uh, really a, a uh, a captivating look mm-hmm. at, uh, uh, how we make, uh, how, how our moral precepts impact our actions. Um, it's, uh, impressive at how he portrays how this community, the, the Quaker community, I mean, it's a, it's one of the more rational expressions of, of, uh, of cosmic spirituality. I think I've, mm-hmm. I've ever encountered. I, I don't know a lot about the Quaker community. I know about, about as much as everyone else, I suppose. Um, but certainly the discussions that he outlines, uh, within the church about the brother leaving and I mean, ultimately about the brother coming back, it really, um, gives you another view of how religion uh, can be like a powerful force in your life. Uh, and as you said, his drawings are meditative. Uh, they're quiet. It's a, it's a, it's a linear, it's a very meditative, meditative linear style. But even here, even in this actually very traditional, in some ways narrative, uh, it, it, what is it? Each page is, a, is, um, uh, uh, each page is a drawing. Oh, is a scene, isn't it? Yeah. Well, there, typical page. There's of- no, there's no panels. Yes. But some pages have inset drawings. Yeah. You know, there's, and then the the hand, the text is handwritten and taken from real diaries and letters, and yet he does a beautiful job of weaving it together as from one voice. So I'm not sure they're all from the same actual figures historically, um, but you have, you know, for example, there'll be a full page drawing, but it'll be multiple faces yeah. each speaking. So there's a sense of um, being in the meeting hall where yes. the Quakers are coming together to sit in silence until yeah. one of them stands to testify. Even and, in conventional fashion, he managed mm-hmm. to deconstruct uh, uh, comics and narrative style. Mm-hmm. Uh, he continues to be an experimentalist uh, in, in this low key way. And on top of all of this, we are also, we are, we are really invited inside the world of, of an 18th, excuse me, a 19th century soldier to be, um, mm-hmm. what his training is, the everyday life, his life with his fellow soldiers, um, uh, the, the, the life of a prisoner of war, mm-hmm. um, and his first encounters with enslaved Black people as his mm-hmm. moves into the South. So it, on, this book is a layer of really thoughtfully applied experience, moral precepts, uh, you know, social, you know, callings. Um, it's just a very impressive, impressive book of a really, uh, a, a thoughtful compilation of ideas about war and being a citizen and, having deep religious feeling. 
I think Dash has always been a very ideas driven artist. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is not, I'm picking some pretty obvious facts about Dashaw's work, but I, and I, I think that finds a perfect narrative match in a work about Quaker spirituality in this period, because it's, they are, they are debating philosophy and ideas and faith. And it's a very thinky religion um, and yet has very traditional sort of precepts around shame and, yes. and oh, yes. uh, forgiveness yeah. in the book as well. Yeah. And duty and, and, and discipline. That's really sorry. And in and in the community's acceptance or mm-hmm. reconsideration or um meditation on on uh uh perhaps failing your moral uh, mm-hmm. uh to reach the moral height of your religion and being re embraced or you know, rejoining your community. So it, it just this on so many levels, this book is 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 thoughtful beyond uh, the usual book, <laughs> and just really a great read. I mean, I sat down and read it over an yeah. evening, and wanted to keep picking it up for such a heady topic yeah. and really artistic style, where each page demands of the reader. There's not a simple grid or a simple clear kind of set of the typical hallmarks of of comics to, to draw you through the narrative, you to c- construct it with each page. I, I found it really a f- engrossing read. Um, our reviewer says Shaw artfully captures the timeless crisis of idealism meeting painful reality. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So yeah, two great books to, for you to, to, to think more about. I think this one would actually be a great gift book. It's the kind of book. Yeah. I love thinking about gift books. I feel like we talk about this every year. I used to be a bookseller earlier in my publishing career and thinking about books that somebody might hesitate to buy themselves because it felt indulgent. It felt outside of something they typically would read and yet would be excited to receive it as a gift, something unexpected and beautifully designed. New York Review comics as well as Run a Quarterly both create beautiful packages. Graphic novels of this type um, make such fantastic gift books because they act as interior design. Also, you know, there are objects you're giving someone. So you're always providing something gorgeous that someone could put on their coffee table in the meantime. Absolutely. So So let's talk about some more. What did you want to share? So Calvin and I were talking before we started taping that Publishers Weekly publishes a holiday gift guide in which they have a comic section. And we would first send you there because we Put that we we made those recommendations to Carolyn, and then so did our counterparts in the Children's and YA division. And there's a great list of great gift books there. And then we want to add some more that didn't make the list. Actually, so this is like your Absolutely. gift box part two. So yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I, I I can't tell you how to get it. If you go to Publishers Weekly Adult Announcements Holiday Gift Guide 2021, Comics has a, has a has a wonderful list. But we maybe we can link it in our yeah. show notes. So should I start off or? Yeah, uh, you go. Tell them goes first. Why don't we alternate? I'll start off. Uh, oh, okay. A terrific book. Um, uh, this is a work of nonfiction by, I think, you know, one of our really, uh, in some ways a hot author. He's been doing this for a while, so I won't call him a new author, but it's, it's a history of the Black Panther Party. It's called the Black Panther Party, a graphic novel history, uh, by the writer David F. Walker and the artist Marcus Kwame Anderson. Uh, it is a, a methodical and really, uh, narratively enabled history 
of the Black Panther Party, all of the, the most important personalities, um, many personalities that you didn't know about, uh, how they, you know, how the group came together, its relationship to fighting police brutality, uh, and then later, uh, issues of mass incarceration. So it, it really gives you a framework to understand many of the issues that we're talking about in terms of policing, um, uh, systemic racism, uh, um, self-defense, uh, gun control, um, so many, so much stuff going on. Uh, and if you ever saw the movie Fred Hampton, uh, that was out earlier this year or last year, whatever it was, uh, this is another good piece of work. Uh, we talked about it on Stargazing too. We gave it a, a oh, that's right. Yes, actually, we did. We talked about it once before as well. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> it's, okay. it's okay to bring it back up. <laughs> so yes, keep it in mind. Um, okay, I'm going to go through these a little more quickly because I know we have a certain amount. Not to David Walker's work absolutely deserves a longer pitch too. Um, so the one I want to recommend, I actually was saying to Calvin, these are books that I would like to receive. They all got strong reviews, and they're ones that I would like to put finished books on my shelf. So, you know, if you're listening publishers and you want to give me a gift, uh, <laughs> American Cult, a graphic history of religious cults in America from colonial era to today, which is edited by the fabulous Robin Chapman, everybody's friend and in indie comics and from Silver Sprocket, which is a small indie press that we quite like and does fantastic. They would say really, you know, best of indie publishers, like a little curated list with each author bringing something distinctive. Um, this is an anthology also, so you get lots of fantastic creators. And it does just what it says. It gives capsule histories of American cults. A perennially fascinating topic. It's a nice conversation starter for the holidays, particularly if you think maybe one of your family members is in a cult. None of mine are, but I, you know, <laughs> you never there. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Um, did we mention publishers here? My, I think uh, Black well, Panther. I, I did. <laughs> Silver Sprocket was American call, and David Walker is Ten Speed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, ten right? speed. Excuse me, Ten Speed. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big fan of Silver Sprocket too. Actually, uh, the next book I want to mention is from uh, Columbia University Press. It's called A Revolution in Three Acts: The Radical Vaudeville of Burt Williams, Eva Tanguay, and Julian Eltange. Elting, excuse me, I think that's his, I think it's, that's how it's pronounced, by David Haydu and John Kerry, who's the artist. Um, this is a fascinating look at the creation of vaudeville at the turn of the 20th century, uh, its roots in what came before, which is the blackface minstrel show, the kind of, uh, uh, the, the American popular entertainment growing out of the racist precepts of the of the minstrel show as it moved into the 20th century in a whole new form and how vaudeville this thing that we've all kind of heard about a little bit mm-hmm. years and years ago in the far far past how it was a radical new uh platform for presentation unregulated uncensored in many ways uh full of its own you know racist uh, uh vectors but also a place that was open to anybody about anything as long as you could entertain people so, uh, uh, you know, uh, David Haydu has really kind of, this is right up his alley as a sort of il- uh, illuminating popular culture and how it's developed, really looks at how uh, Burt Williams, who was the great black comedian and his partner, George Walker, uh, and Eva Tangay, who was, who basically uh, is a woman who 
did her best to violate every every uh, uh, tenet of female propriety that there was in the early 20th century. And Julian Elting, who uh, was, I guess, the first kind of uh, uh, gender, uh, non-binary, um, ambigu- ambiguous gender uh, uh, performer uh, to go on, who, who, who actually had a huge following. All of these uh, people really brought revolutionary context to American popular culture for the first time in many ways. Uh, so uh, check it out. Wonderful book. And there's also a more to come podcast interview with uh, Hey Do and Carrie also, as well as an interview in PW. Another I was going to say, we have, we have a PW sh- yes, print yes. interview that will now be online. We did one for David Walker as well. We have a Walker interview. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, keep, just going to keep calling back to Black Panther, which really is a fantastic gift book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I am very interested in this title. It's Failure Biographies by Johnny Dam, D-A-M-M, and it's from a publisher called The Operating System, who do unusual texts and kind of hybrid um, academic, you know, missives. Like, it's a very, you're going to find this on the table at Art Book New York type book. And our reviewer loved it. Um, it got a star. It's a mashup of, uh, all, you know, Archival comics, kind of WPA, photography from the Great Depression, sci-fi comics like Tomb of Terror, sort of vintage sense. And then the biographies are of individuals who um, are exciting and fascinating but didn't succeed. So the idea of, you know, here are people who are lesser known, they didn't become famous, and each deserve a time and attention and a, a, a capturing of their life. So there's um, Lorenza Botner, an armless transgender woman who turned her own body into an exhibitionist performance art. Uh, artists who were, you know, forming a popular resistance to Argentinian military di- dictatorship in 1968. There's this, like, real-life Mexican superhero named Super Barrio Gomez. Each section has these unsettling images in between. It's really just you know, obscurity, but beauty and, uh, again, like very heady. I love the idea of this just being something someone picks up and is transported and doesn't quite understand and then wants to unpack and gets excited about the archival comics. It just, it has like a really unusual look. Um, and it feels like a discovery. And again, that's what I think a really great gift book can be is something just a complete discovery that this is how you find out about it. Someone literally gifts this experience to you. All right. Great. Go get it. Go out and buy it, folks. Um, okay. And I'll, here, I'm going to wrap up with my, uh, my last recommendation. This is a, uh, this is a superhero comic. It was uh, of the new variety of superhero comics that we see arriving on the scene. And this is, this is the book collection of, of a comic called Far Sector, which is basically a Green Lantern, uh, part of the Green Lantern, um, um, uh, what do you, what do you, the Green Lantern category, um, because of course, as you know, if you don't know what Green Lantern is, Green Lantern is really a whole range of characters. Because this is the this is a sort of um, a policing component that uh, is spread out throughout the DC universe. In this instance, Far Sector is written by the award, the Hugo Award winning, much acclaimed science fiction um, author uh, N.K. Jemison. And uh, this was done with the artist Jamal Crawford. And 
This is the uh, the story of Rookie Green Lantern uh, Sojourner Joe Joe Mullen, and she is posted at some far away post at the far fringes of the gallery galley uh, in a, a a massive mega city called the City Enduring of billions of people in this one city, and it's a city that has over its time has evolved to the point where. They've removed emotions. Uh, uh, they've created a way to remove emotions from people so that you've, most of the, the violence and the trauma of every life has disappeared. Except there is this thing called the emotional, there's, there's a way that some people can click back off. I've forgotten what it is. Mm. It's emotional exploit or exception. And you can't flip back into your emotions. But what happens is that they discover the murder. And it's apparently the first murder in this city in 500 years. And uh, a uh, rookie, uh, Sojourner Mullen, has been posted there by the Green Lantern um, overseers, or that's not a big, that's not a good word to use, the, over, the, the Green Lantern directors. And, it's, and, and then it becomes basically a superhero police procedural. As she moves through this society that, has no use for police and tries to uh, organize some way to investigate this mysterious murder and find out how it's happened. So a little superhero, a little police procedural, a little sci-fi from N.K. Jemison and DC Comics. I love the range of publishers we're getting here. I'm really trying to fill in all those small publishers. And then we're also going to mention DC. <laughs> it's deserved, especially for N.K. Jemison. Uh, so, you know, I have a much longer list, but we do have to close. So I'm going to mention one last book, which is really more of a new year, new you book. So that kind of self-help gift book you give to folks who, you know, maybe need a little more care, you know, a little self-care in the, in 2022. This is special topics in being human, a queer and tender guide to things I've learned the hard way about caring for people, including myself by S. Bear Bergman and Saul Friedman Lawson. It's from Arsenal Pulp. So Bear Bergman does the Ask Bear column, which has been published at a couple different sites. And, you know, it's queer self-care, basically, but it's for everybody. And the, it's, you know, it's your typical kind of like lovely, voicey, um, funny mm. scenarios about marriage and friendship and like getting enough sleep <laughs> written in Bear's like particular um, arch and funny voice, but really useful and helpful. And I thought our reviewer loved it. Um, and there's a great moment, for example, where Freeman Lawson is the illustrator and then Bear takes a turn drawing something and it becomes, um, a lesson about, you know, how we practice something, how we can't, you know, we might be able to just to describe something in one way and not another, but it can take practice. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, a harbinger of doom to need to, to try something again. Um, the reviewer said that delivered with more than a spoonful of kindness, this medicine goes down easy and has the p- potential to facilitate real healing for people. So I just wanted to put that energy. I'm also just real fond of Bear. And I think that his book deserves like pickup. You know, it should be, we need more intersectional embracing self-help. Absolutely. And it certainly sounds like the book for this season. A season yeah. of reflection and reconnecting and and generosity. Absolutely. Yeah, okay, well, we both have to go, I think, but I want to wish everyone a happy holidays and we'll be back. Absolutely. Soon. 
promise. Many, many star reviews coming. As we head out. Yes, absolutely. Uh, to our listeners, you know, um, uh, much love to you and uh, season's greetings and have a good and safe holiday. And most specifically to you, Meg, have a good holiday. Oh, I'm hopefully going to see you again before we break, but absolutely happy holiday, Calvin and Jody. All right. We'll be, and we'll be doing this again in the new year. Talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you soon.